The Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hump Day, Thanksgiving month. And folks, we're less than six weeks away from Christmas, believe it or not. And I'm certain you've done all your Christmas shopping already, right? No, you haven't, because there's not everything on the shelves that you need, right? And maybe, oh, maybe Santa's literally going to have to bring them to you because of the supply chain madness that's keeping us from getting the things, the things we absolutely need to make it. Well, listen, let me tell you what's ahead today. We have so many things, supply chain issues. That's just one thing. Folks, we've got Adam Schiff. (laughs) Adam Schiff this morning. You're going to hear from Adam Schiff. Shifty Schiff, as former President Trump termed him. And Adam Schiff was on national television embarrassed horrendously yesterday by a woman. Oh my gosh, you got to hear this. And what else is happening? Some real truths out of that Kenosha, Wisconsin courtroom where Kyle Rettenauer is on trial for his life. First degree murder charges against him. And two witnesses came forward with, guess what? Evidence. And their evidence confirms Kyle Rittenauer's claims of shooting in self-defense. But the mainstream media are ignoring the testimony of those two witnesses. That's coming up. And then we have a very special, a very special segment in today's show. It's about 10 minutes long. Candace Owens joins us here. You're not going to want to miss this. This will come after the bottom of the hour in our first hour. So yeah, we've got a busy day, but it's worth it all, folks, because you're here. We're sharing, finding out things, finding out truths, getting facts. We're sharing that together. And I don't know another thing that could be more important than for us doing that. And that, as you know, for those of you looking and listening in, that's what we do here every day. So to begin our day, not a good day so far this morning for Joe Biden and his administration. Listen to this. A report came out this morning from the Department of Labor, and it shows that prices in the United States rose at their fastest rate in 30 years. That's right. The Consumer Price Index, the CPI, that's the one that measures inflation, rose 0.9% in October from September, exceeding expectations for a 0.6% rise. Now, compared with October a year ago, prices are up 6.2%, exceeding expectations for a 5.8% increase. When you throw out food and energy, two categories of goods that are central to the cost of living to households, but are so volatile they go up and down, up and down, that economists look beyond them to see underlying inflationary trends. And prices rose 0.6% on a monthly basis, and 4.6% annually. Both exceeded expectations. 
Earlier this year, inflation pressures were largely concentrated in just a few areas of the economy. And that led Fed officials and, of course, the Biden officials, the sycophants in the Biden administration that we hear from every day, like um, the sky is falling White House press secretary. She is amazing. She says things that nobody, I, I, I catch my breath often when Jen Psaki starts spewing her lies and smiles about it, never, ever admits being wrong, and everything she says we're just supposed to believe. Well, they've been trying to sell this inflation thing as uh, trans, uh, transient. In other words, it's a fading thing. Nobody needs to worry about it. And there are even some in the media that are trumpeting inflation as being a good thing. We're going to get into that. And so what's happening around the nation, a combination of inflation and uh, our supply chain issue. It's not just truck drivers that are in short supply, folks. Now we find out truck trailers, a shortage of trucks and truckers to drive them is the number one cause of the crisis at our ports. Inflation data released shows that the prices of shipping and truck trailers are going through the roof. The price of truck trailers jumped 6.5% in October compared with the month earlier. That's the largest ever monthly gain in Labor Department producer price index records, stretching all the way back to 1981. And looking back a year ago, you know, when that crazy guy from New York who vacated New York and now lives in Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump, compared with what was going on when he was president, prices are up 19.7%. 20% increase in one year. Go figure, right? Heavy-duty truck trailers rated for 10,000 pounds or more, you know, the really big ones, rose in price by 8% in October and were up 19.5% compared with a year ago. Both of those jumps are record gains. Trucking prices also soared. The price of general freight trucking jumped 3.5% in October. That's a record high, never before seen. Compared with a year ago, the general freight index is up 18.4%, second only to May's annual gain of 19.9%. The price of local freight trucking, not those that are over-the-road truckings, but just the ones around town, was up 6.9% from a month ago, a record-shattering 20% compared with a year ago. Now, those long-distance trucking costs, they rose 3.5% in one month in October. We're up 21.7% compared with last year. You do understand this. While this administration continues to try to spin all of this and make something positive out of it, folks, you can't do it. You can't do it. They want to blame this on the pandemic and, of course, on Donald Trump. Everything bad that happens in the Biden administration, of course it's because of stuff that Trump did. You know, we're down there every day breaking federal law over and over and over again because we won't hold illegals that step into the country in contravention of duly passed and signed into laws, federal laws regarding immigration. 
We're going to walk all over that, but we're going to blame the whole debacle at the southern border on Donald Trump, that evil red man. He's not responsible for what's happening at the southern border. His actions are not responsible for what's going on in our economy. His actions are not responsible for the continued division, divisiveness, that every day something new comes out in that format from Joe Biden. This all belongs to Joe Biden. And folks, I don't care how you look at it, what perspective you come from, if you want to be truthful about it, you got to look at the guy that's calling all the shots, whoever that is. I got to be honest with you. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. I'm an independent. And I can tell you this. I lean very heavily towards Donald Trump, and especially after he got inaugurated, and then he began to start doing all those things he promised us he was going to do, especially in the area of economics, and they were all good, better than we thought, better than he even projected. And Americans' eyes were open to the fact that free market systems are really, really good. Capitalism really works. Taxes went down for consumers, incomes went up, government revenues skyrocketed to never-before-achieved numbers, even with all those horrible tax cuts that were handed out to, you know, these little plebes around the country. We call them American citizens. Donald Trump predicted it would happen if we would just do it. He initiated the just do it, and it happened. And then Joe Biden steps into the White House, and he just tore it all apart. Everything he could do to as quickly as possible overturn the policies and the actions that were taken by Donald Trump that worked for every American, filthy rich Americans all the way down to low middle class economic Americans. It was good for everybody. Why would they tear it up? Why would they tear all of this up? Why would Joe Biden just cancel pipeline contracts? Why would he ask, as his people are still in the Energy Department, asking today, the CEOs of U.S. energy companies, I'm talking about oil and gas companies, and they're trying to humiliate them, did last week in a public hearing excoriating these CEOs as they were saying, will you make a commitment to reduce your oil production? Why would they want to do that in what we're looking at that it's happening right now? Joe Biden shut down exploration in all federal lands. No more permits given. They're contemplating after what they did to the XL pipeline They are literally, it leaked out, and of course they didn't want it to leak out, but it leaked out. They are contemplating closing another pipeline, the one from Canada that opens up in the United States 550,000 barrels of oil a day. And they're wanting to shut it down. Why are they wanting to shut it down? Let me tell you, those are a lot of questions that I don't have the answers for. I told you Candace Owen is going to be here. She'll give you some answers. 
and she's going to make some stark comparisons to other places on the planet and some historical references that will blow your mind, but it will answer some of your questions. Did you hear what's happening in the John Durham case? Well, fingers are being pointed at somebody that we have not trusted for many, many years in government, Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan worked for the Clinton Secretary of State, the State Department. He was a number one advisor for Hillary Clinton. He was at the top of the heap and up to his elbows in everything that happened in the Benghazi debacle. Jake Sullivan, he's now the National Security Advisor in the White House for Joe Biden. Now, in the Durham investigation, the latest indictment, you remember that came out last week? Well, within that indictment, there's conversation about, from the Steele dossier, a reference to a foreign policy advisor who was referred to in the indictment of former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. It came out yesterday, according to two people that were in the middle of all of this, that foreign policy advisor that was advising, advising people that were investigating the Trump campaign for collusion with Russia, Robert Mueller's lawyers. Oh, they were some really, really horrible people. But anyway, he gave them information that pointed to Trump involvement coming from the Steele dossier. Jake Sullivan was exposed yesterday. This is the closest special counsel John Durham's investigation into the origins of the Russia investigation has come to anybody directly associated with the Biden White House. Sussman, if you'll remember, was indicted for lying to the FBI on September 16th. He's pleaded not guilty to one count of making a false statement to a federal agent This case came out of Durham's probe into the origins of the Russia investigation. So, Durham's indictment alleges Sussman told then-FBI General Counsel James Baker he was not doing work for any client when he requested and held a September 2016 meeting in which he gave evidence of a purported secret communications channel between then-candidate Donald Trump and Russia. In fact, Sussman later billed the Clinton campaign for that meeting. That's in the indictment. The FBI also looked into the story about an alleged link between the Trump presidential campaign and a Russian bank. And the Mueller investigation folks got their hands on that. It was bogus. It didn't exist. The Durham indictment lays out a scenario where an unnamed Clinton campaign lawyer exchanged emails with the Clinton campaign's campaign manager, communications director, and foreign policy advisor, who was that? Jake Sullivan, concerning the Russia bank allegations that Sussman had recently shared with an unknown reporter, by the way. There's no indication that Sullivan is a target of Durham's investigation, only that he received information from a campaign lawyer. And, of course, nobody nobody will, in uh, Jake Sullivan's camp, will say anything, will respond to anything. 
I just have to tell you, he is up to his eyeballs and he is scared to death. So what about that infamous Christopher Steele dossier? Well, it took another blow last week. All of this stuff came out last week and again, the Steele dossier was debunked. No credibility, no substance, not one of the allegations within the Steele dossier has been proven to be true. Not one. Well, last week, John Durham charged steel subsource Igor Danchenko with making false statements to the FBI. And the indictment shed some light on Danchenko's ties to the Democrat, Democrat National Committee, and of course the Clinton campaign, and cast doubt on the validity of the media's past coverage of the dossier, which CNN, MSNBC, and the New York Times, the Washington Post, and so many others spent years, they wouldn't let it drop every day. It was nothing but still dossier, still dossier. Donald Trump, Russia collusion, Vladimir Putin. That's all we heard for months and months and months. So now it comes out, it's been proven, there was no there there. The Steele dossier was fake. It was false. None of what was in it that they salivated over for so many months, not one thing was proven to be true. Now, if you're a journalist or you're a journalist outlet, what do you do when evidence comes out that refutes something that you've reported? What do you do? You publish a retraction. You come back, and you can do it in a very cool, smooth way, trying to save face. Uh, you can even do it a detraction and call it a, uh, uh, a mistake. Um, sources proved, sources we used have been proven to not be, um, not be correct. I mean, there are ways to word it where you don't look really, really bad. Of all those news media, that we just mentioned, CNN being number one. I mean, folks, they would be totally broken out of business today if Donald Trump hadn't been president because they built their entire news organization over four years. They built it on number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, all the way down to number 10, the top things that they cover in news every day. And it was all Donald Trump. And it was all Russia, Russia, Russia. CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all of the others that hammered on this for four years. Not one of them has even mentioned the fact that the dossier was proven by the feds, by a prosecutor, to be completely false. And they used that as their only piece of ammunition to go after Donald Trump every single day in his administration. Wow. So there's some new scrutiny now on some other Democrats that hyped the Steele dossier and hyped the Russia collusion story. Can you think of anybody? Well, one of the loudest voices promoting the dossier was Mr. Schiff. Adam Schiff, representative from California, 
unilateral subpoenaed issued by House Intel Majority appear to be part of an effort to discredit Steele rather than determine the truth of the dossier. That was in a tweet by Adam Schiff, tweeted back in 2017. Here it is again. Unilateral subpoenas issued by House Intel Majority appear to be part of effort to discredit Christopher Steele rather than determine the truth of the dossier. We certainly want to get to the bottom of the details of that dossier and report what has been substantiated, what hasn't, and find out just how he based those conclusions and to whatever degree he is willing to share with us any sources of the information. That shift on MSNBC in 2017. And he said at that time he wanted to meet with Steele. Another loud voice promulgating the debunked dossier was that of Representative Ted Lieu, also a Democrat from California, who promoted the bad intelligence on social media up through this year. Wrong, he said in a tweet on July 9th of this year. Wrong, the dossier was started by Republicans. Also, the investigation resulted in multiple Trump officials being convicted of felonies. Lou also claimed in 2019 that over time, more and more parts of the dossier have been corroborated, something that hasn't happened. It's a lie, folks. The debunked dossier has a new, bleak light that's been cast on it. If the below article is correct, it makes us ask the question, why would both Russia and Trump fear the Steele dossier? That's another Ted Lieu tweet. Watchdog organization Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton said in a Tuesday statement that Christopher Steele, who also worked for the FBI, by the way, created a fake dossier, was understood as such by the Department of Justice, the FBI, Robert Mueller, and the Obama White House. Yet they used it to spy on and try to prosecute Trump, his associates, and his family. Mr. Durham, again, this is Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch, Mr. Durham in the least should question Clinton, Obama, and Biden about what they knew and when they knew it. And there in this conspiracy, such as Jake Sullivan, have been promoted throughout the Biden administration. Now, Danchenko, he was arrested. It comes after Durham last month indicted that lawyer, the Clinton lawyer, Michael Sussman, for lying to the FBI. The indictment alleges Sussman told then-FBI General Counsel James Baker that he was not doing work for any client, and he was for the Clintons, and it all came to light when he billed the Clinton campaign for a meeting he had about all of this. So let's just circle back, old Jen Sakiish. Let's circle back, and let's listen to a little bit of Adam Schiff about the so-called evidence uncontroverted evidence in his possession that he maintained for four years and still does that is uncontroverted evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin and Russia to win the 2016 election over Hillary Clinton. I got to ask you something that 
you said also to me on Sunday is that you took you thought that at the time former uh, director of national intelligence James Clapper was too definitive when he said no evidence of collusion um, at the time that he served through January essentially January 20th uh, of this year um, what basis can you feel confident saying that that the director of national Intel that the director of national intelligence oversold something this is Chuck Todd with Adam Schiff Chuck Todd of NBC this is in March of 2017 now the answer to Chuck Todd here's Adam Schiff well look I don't think it was uh, delivered on the director's part uh, but all I can tell you is um, reviewing the evidence that I have um, I don't think you can conclude that at all uh, far from it uh, and but, I think but you admit uh, that, it's uh, a circum all you have right now is a circumstantial case uh, actually no Chuck uh, I, I can tell you that the case is more than that uh, and I can't go into the particulars but there is more than circumstantial evidence now so um, again I think so you Director have Clapper, seen direct evidence of collusion uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial uh, and, uh, and is very much worthy of investigation. So uh, that is what we ought to do. And that's what we did. We spent 40 million taxpayer dollars at the behest of Adam Schiff and other Democrats to prove that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. And by the way, just so you know, in federal law, there is no such thing as prosecutable collusion. It's not even mentioned in federal law. But Adam Schiff wasn't through, and NBC wasn't through with Adam Schiff. So a year later, 2018, Adam doubles and triples down with NBC. Congressman, before we go any farther, because I want to draw a distinction, since we've been saying here that some of the facts can get muddled here in the president's language. I want to make sure we're being precise in our conversation. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Now, that's a, a different statement than saying that there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt of a criminal conspiracy. Bob Mueller will have to determine that. But, of course, right. the entire so you're, you're, meeting you at Trump You acknowledge Tower, that the FBI has not presented it thus far. I, I'm, I'm drawing this uh, distinction no, because what, this is what the White Margaret, House is arguing here, that the president is drawing a distinction, that he is saying when he says hoax and witch hunt that he means one thing and that it's not uh, really trying to disassociate himself from what his national security team says. Well, first of all, we haven't seen what Bob Mueller uh, has produced in terms of the evidence yet. So in terms of FBI proof, they're not going to present proof to the Congress. We're doing our own investigation, and we've revealed evidence, I think, that certainly goes to the issue of conspiracy and collusion, a lot of which is now public. Uh, but I do think that the president uh, continues to cast doubt on whether he accepts the fundamental conclusion that Russia intervened, whether there was a conspiracy or not. He continues to raise questions about it. Indeed, his attempt to retract his statement in Helsinki that he doesn't see why the Russians would intervene, that goes well beyond any allegations of conspiracy. So it's the president himself who's created this very muddled message. And the issue, I think, for us in the midterms is, what message is Putin hearing? Is he hearing the message that we heard from Coates and Ray and uh, others mm -hmm. in that press conference in the White House? 
or is he hearing the message of the President of the United States? And I fear that the message that the Kremlin cares most about is what they hear from Donald Trump, and that is still one of denial and cover for the Russians. 2018 on NBC, Adam Schiff doubles and triples down on his, we have uncontroverted evidence, this time he said, of collusion and possible conspiracy. Which conspiracy is a federal crime? So, Schiff is rubbing his little hands, you know, like a fly that's fixing to eat. It looks like they're rubbing their hands together. But folks, as we all know, they impeached Donald Trump twice. They tried to prove he had done anything criminal, and it was insufficient. He was impeached twice, never convicted. Never once did he stand up and try to defend himself. He relied on that little thing that Adam Schiff's not very comfortable with, called evidence and facts. And so, let's fast forward to 2021. Let's fast forward to um, November the 8th, 2021. And let's take a look in or a listen in to that very conservative daytime talk show, The View. Yeah, that's right. Monday, Adam Schiff was on The View. But they happened to have a special guest on at the same time with Adam. Her name is Morgan Ortegas. And Morgan Ortegas has got a lot of uh, foreign policy and intelligence experience in the federal government in Washington, D.C. She's a Fox News contributor. I want you to listen to Adam Schiff Monday on The View and listen toward the very end to what Morgan Ortegas has to say to Adam Schiff. So I want to ask you about something that's in the news a lot right now. Um, You've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, And we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, mm-hmm. uh, and they are. Uh, and <clears throat> unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. Well, he may have been fired, but the the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get Russian help. But you may have spread Russian disinformation yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee Chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. Well, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. Mm-hmm. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is impossible, of course, to do. But, but let's not use that as a smokescreen to 
somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, uh, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. Well. <laughs> I think just your credibility is under siege and has been proven that it really doesn't exist when it comes to this. Do you understand when you put all this in context, what Adam Schiff did, what he orchestrated, a very highly uh, thought of in circles in Congress, a member of the House of Representatives, he was head of the Intel Committee, which meant that he saw and heard everything, all kinds of classified briefings and hearings that you and I never could even look at or hear anything specific that came out of him. He was in them all the time. When all those leaks were happening to the media about what was going on, Adam Schiff is known to have been one of, if not the leaker of all of that information. He did everything he could to see to it that Donald Trump was kicked out of office. If you remember correctly, he headed the committee from the House, the prosecuting committee, against Donald Trump in the first impeachment. He was up there spewing his venom over and over and over again. And through the years, folks, we couldn't dig them out all. We couldn't take the time to um, get you to or let you to listen to every public statement that Adam Schiff made during four years. Over and over again, he said, I have absolute proof that Donald Trump colluded with Russia and conspired with Russia, which is a federal violation, to change the election results so he could beat Hillary Clinton. Schiff said that over and over and over again. And you heard him on Monday of this week. He doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on the same lies. And you know what that means? Do you know what that means when somebody does that? That means they're pathological. That means, folks, they're lying almost all the time when they speak, and really, in some cases, they don't even realize it. They think what they're saying is true just because they're saying it. One more little issue, and we're going to move on. Do you remember, if you were here back two years ago, we got our hands on a fake morning show on-air interview It was fake because it was supposed to be two Russians that had inside information and were working directly for Vladimir Putin. And they called Adam Schiff's office, talking with a Russian accent. And they got through to Adam Schiff and told Schiff they had proof. They had proof that information in the Steele dossier was actually facts. We played that interview. It was about 15 minutes long for you. And actually, all it was was a spoof by a morning radio show. And Adam Schiff just played right into it. He wanted them to send him information and the truth. He wanted to know, and he asked if his staff and he could follow up with them. He asked if Vladimir Putin knew about this. And you could almost hear him foaming at the mouth. He was so excited I'm going to have the evidence that will prove Donald Trump 
is not worthy to be president and he cheated to get there. Folks, do you realize when a person at this level does that, they are violating their oath of office to the Constitution and to the people of the district which they represent because they're colluding with whoever and whatever to get stuff that has nothing to do with truthfulness, has nothing to do with facts. In fact, they're doing so borders on being illegal. And I got to be honest with you. I think under any normal circumstances, Adam Schiff would have been kicked out of office by the voters of his district. But we're talking about a very hard left district in northern L.A. Those are the people that Adam Schiff represents. Wow. There's so much more. How about let's touch base on that Kyle Rittenauer trial and the craziness that's going on up there and how the media once again are not telling the truth and a guy's life is on the line. We're going to do that next here at TNN Live. Don't go anywhere. Stay here. Mark Twain said, never tell the truth to someone who isn't worthy of it. You exceptional people, keeping the flame of truth high, bright, and forward. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, you need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. Yeah, one of the things upcoming in uh, the next half hour, we're gonna, we pushed this Candace Owen things uh, that I told you about. We pushed it back a little bit. I want to get through the rest of this next 20 minutes. And Candace Owen is going to talk about just that exact thing you just heard Pete Moss mention. And that's factual, truthful information. And we're just not getting it from people that uh, have told us for years. Yeah, we're going to do just that. Well, we played a segment from an NBC news report 
about the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, prosecution that's going on up in Wisconsin. You mean he? Sh- you 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 may remember Kyle Rittenhouse. There was a Black Lives Matter riot that was going on. Call it an uh, a protest, whatever you want to call it. But people were carrying around guns. They were burning property, beating up other people. And he went to that protest with a rifle, a loaded rifle, and he shot several people. Well, he was obviously arrested, and when he was arrested, he told police that he shot people, but he did it in total self-defense. So coming out of that trial yesterday, um, a NBC crew, and I believe it's a local crew from up there in Wisconsin, uh, they went on the air and gave a synopsis of testimony about a witness getting up and basically, well, I'm just going to let you listen to them. Listen, this is just a short segment. Listen to the specifics of what they say about the testimony that they witnessed in the trial themselves. Right now, the second week in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is currently underway. In fact, just moments ago, the jury heard emotional testimony from a man who was shot by Rittenhouse the night of that attack in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Here's NBC News correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. Aaron and Morgan, good afternoon. A critical piece of testimony today in this courthouse behind me, Gage Grosskreutz, the man that Kyle Rittenhouse shot and wounded during those demonstrations last summer following the police shooting of Jacob Blake here in Kenosha, is now on the witness stand. He is describing his initial interactions with Kyle Rittenhouse that night. Now, importantly, he is telling uh, the prosecution that he brought his own uh, weapon to the demonstrations, that he came down here as a medic. He said that his uh, permit to carry that gun uh, was expired, and he could not recall whether it was an actual bullet in the chamber. But he says when he first saw Kyle Rittenhouse at some point, he, he believed him to be an active shooter. He does say that he approached Rittenhouse, and that is something that the defense will likely tear into during cross-examination, trying to paint him as the aggressor. You heard him say, the man said, the witness said, he approached Kyle Rittenhouse. Listen to the rest of the news report. And Aaron and Morgan, this is the central question of this case. Did Kyle Rittenhouse act in self-defense? That is what his attorneys are arguing. But last week, the prosecution began to lay out its case, playing about a dozen videos or so from different angles about Rittenhouse's interaction with another man, Joseph Rosenbaum, the first that he shot. Rosenbaum uh, was killed, uh, but Rittenhouse is claiming again that he acted in self-defense, the prosecution trying to convince the jury that it was a Rittenhouse who was looking for trouble and drawn to chaos, as they put it, like a moth to a flame. Now, the prosecution is expected to rest its case potentially as early as perhaps tomorrow. Then it will be the defense's turn, and Rittenhouse's attorneys have indicated that he will testify himself. Aaron Morgan, back to you. If you were with us yesterday, you heard us read part of the transcript of the actual questioning of that witness. And I'm not going to try to say his name. It starts with a C. They said it there on the show. And you heard the actual report said that the witness did say that he carried his gun with him. 
but he didn't say anything about what he really did with the gun, which came out in the testimony that these reporters, this reporter was giving this testimony back to his anchor desk live shortly after the he went and witnessed the actual testimony take place. The witness said he raised his gun and pointed it at Kyle Rittenhouse. And then he said, I started walking towards Rittenhouse with the gun pointed at him. So let me ask you this. Two big questions here that I have. Number one, you took a gun to a protest. Not a good thing to do. Kyle Rittenhouse or anybody else that was there. But what do you expect a man to do when you're at a protest and there's violence all around? Buildings are burning. People are getting beat up. And you have a gun. And you raise that gun and point it at somebody that has a gun. And then you start walking toward the guy that's got a gun with your gun pointed at him. What the heck do you expect the guy to do? And by any definition in any county or parish or state or anywhere inside the borders of the United States, what Kyle Rittenhouse did in this case is called self-defense. That is an explanation of it. They hid the story. They hid the facts from their audience. Now, why would they do that? A lot of reasons, I can tell you. Those are local reporters. This report was sent upstream to NBC National. In fact, that's where we pulled it down here at TNN Live. It came off a national NBC website. So what does that mean? Well, these guys, the girl and the guy, and the reporter specifically, they're looking for opportunities to grow in their careers. And what's the number one way you want to grow if you're a news person, a television news person, a reporter, or an anchor? You want to get to major markets. Kenosha, Wisconsin, not a major market. But giving this report to the mothership back in Manhattan, getting it out on the air, you want to juice it up and make it seem like it's bigger than life, which is exactly what he did. And then guess what else we found out? A guy named named Nathan DeBruin. Nathan DeBruin. He testified yesterday as well. Well, yesterday the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that DeBruin, who is a Kenosha photographer, was initially subpoenaed by the prosecution, but was brought as a witness for the defense. Now, what's going on with this? Well, he became a witness for the defense after he claimed prosecutors asked him to change what he was going to say in his statement. De Bruin claimed the prosecutors spoke to him prior to the trial and asked him to change his original September 2020 statement. De Bruin claimed he was pressured to change his statement during a meeting with District Attorney Thomas Binger and Assistant District Attorney James Krause. I was called down to the district attorney's office, he said. I met with Mr. Binger and Mr. Krause. I was called, and this is from DeBruin's testimony on Monday. I was called into a room, sat at a table, handed my police statement, got to read over my police statement, 
And then I was asked if I would like to add anything to the police statement, and I said I would not. He added this. Mr. Binger pulled out a cell phone and showed me a video and also a photo, which was actually one photo that I brought today, and asked me if I knew who a gentleman was in that photo. And I said, I did not. He said, this is Joshua Zeminski. Mr. Binger also had a case with him, and I'm subpoenaed for that case also. He says, well, that's who that is. He put the phone down. He picked the phone back up and says, who is this? And I confusingly said, like, Joshua Zeminski. And he said, would you like to add that to your statement? And I just felt I didn't want to change my statement. So while questioning DeBruin on the stand Tuesday, Krause said, we had your read over your statement, right? DeBruin responded, correct. Krause followed, and we asked if you knew anything beyond that statement. DeBruin said, correct. Krause then said, we didn't ask you to change it. And DeBruin answered, yes, you did. So let me just say this. There are two big, horrible situations going on, actually three or four. And by the way, one of the other guys that got shot, a witness yesterday testified that the guy that got shot, he saw the guy pick up a skateboard and sneak up behind Kyle Rittenhouse and beat him over the head with it aggressively. (laughs) And Rittenhouse shot him, didn't kill him, shot him, wounded him, not even a serious wound, but nevertheless, Rittenhouse was charged with attempted first-degree murder twice, and also first-degree murder for the man that was killed. So, it was a violent protest. Black Lives Matter was involved in it. They burned businesses down. They burned houses down. They beat up people. People were all over the streets with guns. That's a horrible thing. There is no way you can justify that. You can't paint it or couch it in any really nice, smooth way. Those kind of things shouldn't happen. But they do happen, and those that are guilty need to be held responsible for what they did wrong. But you don't do that. Well, you do if you are wanting to try to feed a cause or to perpetuate something that was put out there that somebody else wanted you to perpetuate. You know, like anti-police and anti-white people, racism, whatever you want to call it, folks. That's bad enough. Secondly, though, you have prosecutors that are supposed to be enforcing the law and prosecuting those that broke the laws. And these prosecutors apparently were very obviously trying to coach a witness that they thought they could bring over to their side to juice up their case against Kyle Rittenhouse. And they got caught in the act. When I followed all of this, I listened to it. I read the the testimony transcript. I thought to myself, how many people are in prison today that shouldn't be in prison today? How many people have been put to death through the years that shouldn't have been put to death. Just one of those happening is too many. And the people that are guilty 
of fixing evidence or getting testimony changed or cutting deals behind the court or even in court judges who prejudge a defendant standing before them. All of those things rolled in together. Folks, i got to be honest with you. We're promised equal justice under the law. That's what we're promised. Under the rule of law in the United States, we're supposed to abide by laws that are written. No exceptions. You're supposed to do it. If you live here, if you're a citizen, or even if you're not and you're here, if you want to live here and walk freely among Americans, you've got to abide by the rule of law. If you don't, you're going to pay a price. But it seems like it happens pretty often that there are people in this law enforcement process from top to bottom, maybe in the police force, maybe in the prosecutor's office, maybe even in the courtroom. There are people that are not being honest. And I'm sorry, folks. There is no excuse. It is never okay to not tell the truth, even when telling the truth is going to hurt somebody. Folks, enforcing the law, there is nothing written in the penalties for lawbreaking that have anything to do with how, what you say, what you testify, the facts, or how they're going to affect someone that is being prosecuted or someone that's been hurt and you, and you have a prosecutor that wants to find a way to get the perpetrator, even if it means making up some evidence or getting somebody to change their testimony. There's evil everywhere, even in law enforcement, even in the court system. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Often I wonder, I've wondered for many, many years, former congressman, former senator, John Kerry, married a very, very wealthy woman. John Kerry's got so much speckled history in his past. 
Um, even though he's been in politics forever as a Democrat, he's kind of like Adam Schiff in many respects. He uh, Sometimes he doesn't just come and do an outright lie. He doesn't cross the line, but he steps right up close to it. And he's been busted numerous times. I remember when he was running for president. Um, that swift boat controversy. Um, he told people and had been telling people for years about what he did in Vietnam and come to find out what he said he did in Vietnam. And it was dramatic, of course, naturally. Anybody that's going to lie like that about conditions and stuff in wartime is going to embellish it to make them look better. But it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And he, he just seems to be, you remember when you were a kid and you picked your nose and you were flicking boogers and there was one that was always too sticky to get off your finger. I know it's gross, but you've already had coffee and breakfast. And some of you, when I said that, you laughed hysterically because you remember how that was. John Kerry in U.S. politics seems to be that booger that you just can't get rid of. Administration after administration, he always pops back up. Well, he is now President Joe Biden's climate envoy. I have no idea what being a climate envoy means and what kind of power authority brings to uh, the table if you're a, uh, a climate envoy. I know there's no constitutional formal position in the government for that, but be that as it is, he's the man and he's representing the Biden administration at that COP26 climate conference in Glasgow or Glasgow, however you want to pronounce that city, Scotland. So, John Kerry, as he always does, he's got to be the center of attention when he's there talking about stuff. Here's what he said yesterday, and Americans all over just went crazy when he said it, especially those in states like Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Kerry said, by 2030 in the United States, We won't have coal. By 2030 in the United States, we won't have coal. Kerry is the first Biden official to publicly comment on the administration's environmental policy since the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that contained numerous sections dedicated to climate change. It passed Congress, as you know, last Friday night. Kerry's aspiration to rid the country of coal by 2030? Well, folks, that falls right in line with Biden's deadlines for lowering greenhouse gases by the same year. Despite those goals, Axios, which is a pretty far-left news outlet, Axios reported that the U.S. did not join last week to a pledge signed by more than 40 other countries to phase out coal-fired power plants in the 2030s and the 2040s. That's interesting. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, coal accounted for 10% of our nation's total energy that we consumed last year. Kerry went on to say, we're saying we are going to be carbon-free in the power sector By 2035, I think that's leadership. I think that's indicative of what we can do, he said. We're going to be carbon-free. 
Now, put this in context. John Kerry. John Kerry and his wife, Teresa Hines Kerry, Hines, as in Hines Ketchup. I told you he was married to a very wealthy woman. She inherited totally the Hines billions of dollars. Teresa and John, they own 40 corporate jets. Now you may say, why would they need 40 corporate jets? Well, they have two of their own. Well, they're really not their own, but the company that technically owns them and they own the company, it's a corporate jet leasing company. So how did John Kerry get to Glasgow, Scotland on a G550 that his company owns? And maybe if I do what Joe Biden does and whispers this, listen closely to what I'm about to say. A Gulfstream 550 burns a lot of carbon fuel. You multiply that by 40, they own a company that is in mass polluting the airways in the United States of America, and John Kerry just polluted the airspace in Glasgow, Scotland. Do you smell a little hypocrisy there? That's just one way. But the big thing that grabbed me when I saw what he said in this interview, we're not going to have coal by 2030. Folks, that's nine years. There are 60,000 people today that work in coal mines, that work in coal distribution. So he's saying the Biden administration is going to terminate 50,000 jobs. Bam. Well, Joe can terminate jobs pretty quickly. He's proven that over and over and over again. But let me ask you this. Do you understand? I don't care where you live. The odds are that your electricity is generated all or in part by coal. Now put that in the context of the life that every American lives. These guys, I mean, they're illustrating stupidity. And I've never thought John Kerry was very smart. And Joe Biden is obviously, he is not way up there on the brain surgeon scale himself and never has been. Both of these guys, John Kerry and Joe Biden, they have a very public life that we can all look back at. I know for a fact both of them would be much better off in the integrity role and in their rating as to their own integrity if there was no YouTube. (laughs) Because we can go back and grab dozens and dozens and dozens of outright lies they both have told thinking they're doing it to somebody that won't let anybody else see it. You know, it was a private, it was a small little group of people. Let me illustrate to you what they illustrate to me regarding their climate situation and thinking and reasoning. There is no way an intelligent person can actually say that the United States is going to be carbon-free by 2035. It's impossible. It cannot happen. 
Not so much that we could not do away with carbon energy and all of the processes that are involved in getting it and making it available to the United States people and countries and other people around the world, corporations here. What's impossible is every year the United States uses more and more energy for every part of our lives. There is nothing you can look at in your house, in your office, outside, nothing that doesn't require energy to do anything with it. And most of that energy comes from somewhere. It's generated, it's produced, it's processed for us to be able to do these things. We take it for granted. I think Joe Biden, I think he woke up, maybe on January 25th, maybe not until oh, about October 1st. But I think one day he woke up and he said, you know what, I messed up. When I canceled the XL pipeline permit, put those people out of work, the daisy chain across the U.S. energy system began to fall, began to people fall out of it. Energy companies began to reassess their operating procedures and how and where and why and how much energy they were producing. And then all of a sudden, inflation started. The price of energy began to climb. As we told you going into this show today, we're at a 30-year high of of inflation. It doesn't matter how much wages have risen. Raises haven't obliterated inflation that has happened since January 20th. If you're a working person in the United States today, it's costing you at least 10 to 15% more to do the same thing you were doing on January 20th when Joe Biden was sworn into office. Energy is just one little piece of it, folks. But this man, he's got a powerful position in the U.S. government. I don't know what his power looks like on a daily basis, but he's over there in Glasgow and he's representing the United States people. And he's saying things that he can't back up. So let's back back a little bit further, go further back. You know who's watching all of this, all of the Biden administration, the horrors that we're going through, the things that on Biden's watch or getting unwound. China's state-run Global Times, that's their big newspaper over there, on Monday of this week, that was day seven of the COP26 climate conference in Scotland we just talked about. The newspaper boasted that coal output has reached the highest level in recent years, so China's vast array of carbon-spewing coal-fired power plants can ensure energy supply security and residential heating during the winter. China, as you know, and we're told this all the time, they are the world's worst polluter by far. They built three times as many coal plants as all other nations combined in 2020. When power shortages and rolling blackouts began hitting China's industry centers in the fall of this year, 
The Chinese government ordered an all-out campaign to produce as much coal as possible from both domestic mines and foreign suppliers. And according to the Global Times, their, their, they say their effort has been very successful. From November 1 through 5, the average daily dispatch of coal reached 11.66 million tons. That was an increase of more than 1.2 million tons for the end of September. As coal mines have been gradually put into operation, the National Development and Reform Commission said on Monday, the thermal coal supply has also continued to go up. And the rebound of cold inventories at power plants has been accelerated. Since early November, the average daily supply of coal at power plants has hit 7.74 million tons, and coal inventories have reached 1.6 million tons. On November 6th, the stock of coal reserves across China's power plants exceeded 117 million tons, an increase of about 40 million tons compared with the end of September. And they're not just keeping it for themselves. In October, they imported 27 million tons of coal. That's a 96% increase over the previous year. Combined with the surge of domestic output, their supply of coal grew large enough to bring prices down. They brought prices down on energy in China. Now, what's the big fuss about all this, Dan? There are so many obvious hands-on, front-line issues that come out of what uh, John Kerry predicted was going to happen regarding everyday people, regarding coal workers, coal plant workers, regarding people in the states that produce a lot of coal, like West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Think about the economic impact, layer after layer after layer of economical impact on everything, every piece of our energy situation here in the United States. The second piece of this, I think you and I, if we don't know this and don't accept it, we need to begin. You need to find a way to get soft on this. Folks, China doesn't give a rip about what they do regarding its impact on any other nation on the planet. China's very confident they can take care of themselves. Now, taking care of themselves may have a different definition of what rolls into that than what we have here in the United States, but they're okay. They've got the power, the economic might, the, the, they have the resources. I mean, look how big China is. I mean, it's incredible. There are cities in China that have 15 million people that I've never even heard the names of, a bunch of them. China's going to be okay. And here we are. We send our envoy to Glasgow to the COP26 climate conference that China nor Russia, two of the biggest polluters on the planet, they don't even bother to show up. They didn't go. But what they're doing, they're sitting at home and they're manipulating their energy sectors to make sure they're okay. Vladimir Putin got a free pass for it. Russia's energy from Joe Biden. When Joe Biden refused to extend the issues with the company that was doing that big pipeline from Russia to Western Europe, Donald Trump had shut it down. Why? 
Well, obviously, Russia, now they are opened up, they are producing a massive amount of natural gas, sending it to all of those free nations in Western Europe. And guess what that gave Vladimir power to do? He can turn the spigot off anytime he wants to. He's got great power over the Western nations in Europe. And Joe Biden gave that to him. Of course, we can't do anything regarding energy in China because they don't buy any energy stuff from us. I'm sure if we could dig down, we'd find out we're selling them coal. But that's going to stop, according to uh, John Kerry. We're not even going to be producing it. We won't have any coal mines. So, they're destroying natural gas. They're destroying oil production. They're predicting they're going to destroy coal, totally shut it down. They don't want to do any more nuclear energy stuff. And this wind and hydro energy, solar energy stuff that they're touting, folks, it can't work. It can't work. It cannot keep the United States energy demands taken care of. And there is no way in the foreseeable future that we have the technology or the time or the expertise to make it fit our energy needs. Yet they're out there already shutting down sectors of the energy industry with no forethought, no plans in place, nothing that has been even started in any way sufficient to replace our reliance on natural gas, on coal, and on oil. Where I come from, that's called stupid. And I'm not saying Joe Biden's stupid. I'm not saying John Kerry's stupid. What I am saying is that they didn't think this through. And they should have. I told you at the beginning of the show we were going to listen to Candace Owen. If you've not yet read today's story at truthnewsnet.org, make sure that you go read it. It's part two of a story that Kelly Nelson started last week. Part three comes up later this week or over the weekend. But she's talking about the substance of the things that are happening in the United States in the context of all the egregious things that have happened around the world throughout world history that each really kind of point toward what we're seeing play out in our nation today. I want you to make sure that you see it. Now, what does that have to do with Candace Owen? Candace Owen had a North Korean girl on her show in the last few days. I don't, I don't know exactly when it was. But Candace Owen, after spending time with this North Korean woman that, by the way, is now in the United States, and that's somebody that saw what it's like to live in a totalitarian nation, North Korea. Candace talks a little bit about the things that 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 woman told her and told the people that were listening on Candace's show. Candace came up with some ideas and thoughts that just burned into my heart. And this is, I think, an eight or nine minute synopsis, but I wanted everybody, every one of you, to listen to what Candace Owen had to say and how it relates to the life we are living now in our United States of America. So I had such a crazy day today and I just wanted to I guess vent to the world. Um, not vent because I'm angry, but I guess I'm because I'm frustrated and because I had this 
discussion today on my show that just, it almost moved me to tears. It, you know, it definitely moved my audience to tears. And I was speaking with a defector from North Korea, a young woman about 28 years old. Um, you may have heard her story. Um, but I have to tell you that hearing this young woman, Yami Kim, tell me about what it was like to grow up in North Korea and how scary it is for her to see what is happening in America what it was like to grow up eating grasshoppers and cicadas and eating tree bark and not being allowed to earn anything, having everything be owned and controlled by the state, to have an entire population that is malnourished, an entire population that is starving, and learning in school, as they do in North Korea, that the reason that they're starving and the reason that they're malnourished and the reason that things are this way is because of America. She said it's, it's the propaganda in the schools, just no matter what's going on, it's because of America. They don't have electricity, you know, they can't have a living. They have to turn to the black market to even buy a movie. They're not even allowed to watch movies um, that go against the state. Every piece of content and media that they see in the school system shows them people that die not for love, but for the state. And she didn't realize that there was anybody that lived differently until somebody in her family had smuggled the movie Titanic. And she thought when she watched this movie, the ending, and he died for love, that the actor must be dead and he must have been killed by the state because you're not allowed to die for anything but the state. And she's sitting here telling me that she's in America and she's at Columbia University and she's listening to kids that have similar propaganda, that their entire country is being torn apart. Our entire country is clearly falling apart Look at the gas prices. Go look at your gas price. Go, go, go anywhere right now and, and, and ask people how they're living, right? Everywhere you look, you see that America is falling apart. And she goes, yeah, you go to the university, she goes to Columbia University, and the kids all think it's because of white supremacy. She's like, it's like scary propaganda. They can't awake themselves to the fact that no, what happened in North Korea was happening because the government was corrupt. What is happening in America is happening because our government is corrupt, because our government is stealing. What is happening all across Western civilizations is happening because governments are corrupt, because they have gotten together, because there was a globalist agenda, because they are stealing in broad daylight from the people, because they have stumbled upon an existential crisis. COVID-19 is gonna happen forever, so this is the reason why we have to impoverish you. This is the reason why we have to shut down your businesses. This is the reason that you're not allowed to earn a living. And what's happening in the process? The state. The state is going to pick up everything. The state will own everything. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your job. And you, who do you think is going to come up behind and buy all of the housing market? Who do you think is, is going to come up behind and, and, and own all the property that we're not allowed to own anymore? What do you think is the next step in this? Stopping you from being able to provide for your family. I genuinely, and I'm, and I'm saying this really from the bottom of my heart, like for the people who hate Trump, I don't even care. You can hate Trump. I don't even care if you hate me. Hate me, hate Candace Owens. I don't even care. When are you going to wake up to what's happening in this country? Like what is it actually going to take, right? You are not allowed to work when the government tells you you're not allowed to work. Your children are being forced masked. Your children are learning propaganda in school, okay? You're being constantly told to think about race. You're being constantly told that the only reason all this is happening is white supremacy. You've got inflation through the roof, despite the fact that gas prices are astronomical. Biden has just announced they're gonna shut down more pipelines because the Green New Deal, because the Green New Deal, because we need, we need clean energy solutions. So you're gonna have to go and maybe fill up your tank for $10, $10 per gallon, because you know what, we need Green New Deals. You need to just commit to the idea 
the idea that is bigger than how you live day to day. The idea is bigger. You're, you're learning actively in school how to be an idiot, okay? You have actual people, right, with credentials, tenured professors that legitimately are telling you that men can be women and women can be men, that men can give birth. What is it going to take for you to wake up to the fact that you, this entire nation, is being run by ideologues and the job and the goal of an ideologue is to run you into the ground until you have nothing. You will have nothing. America is becoming a country of the have and the have nots. They are wiping out the middle class systematically, okay? The middle class, the same middle class they used, okay, to garner votes, to go out, protest for racism. Oh my God, racism, racism. Don't look at us and look at us. Oh, here's what we're gonna do. We, we have to put in place policies. We need to, you know what we do? We need more government. We need more government. The only way we're gonna be able to solve, solve this is if we grow government. We're gonna need a COVID force. We're gonna need a racism force. We're gonna need trillions and billions more of your hard-earned taxpayer dollars, okay? Because you're gonna own nothing and nothing, you're all gonna work for the state, okay? So we can solve these problems like climate change. Climate change is never gonna go away. We're just gonna keep saying like every time it snows or rains, we have to tax you. Yeah, climate change. Let's all work on this big concept of climate change. Oh, I see that we solved and now gay marriage is legal. Let's move on to trans. Like until kids can pick their gender and we can grow government and, and we can take more control over the classrooms for equality, like, this issue will never be solved. What is it going to take, okay? Because I can't imagine, I can't even, I can't even think up, and I don't even want to say, I don't even want to curse it, I can't even think up what's coming around the corner, right? I am convinced that we are going to go through a very real period of starvation in this country. And I, and I am convinced also that you will be starving, you will have no job, and you will still have people that are convinced that's because of white supremacy. Yeah. You're going to have children taken away by the state. They're gonna say, oh, we took your children away because you didn't vax your child and you must be vaxxed or else the state, you're, you're, we're gonna have to we're gonna, we could have them legitimately proposing to send people that are unvaccinated to camps. And you would still have people saying, it's because of white supremacy. It's because, of, it's because we didn't build the tower of George Floyd high enough. That is the level of complete and utter nonsense that we are dealing with in this country. What is it going to take for you to wake up to the fact that this is tyranny? That this is the stuff that they convinced you, that media brainwash is real, okay? America's not special. What happens in China? What happens in North Korea? State-sanctioned TV. Their job is to make you agree with the state, okay? The state is in control. You sacrifice everything to the state. That is their job, and you're still watching it. I went on Twitter today. This is a real headline on MSNBC, okay? Real headline. Opinion. Why inflation is actually a good thing. <laughs> oh, oh, inflation, your high gas price, it's actually a good, it's a good thing. And all you have to do is realize that it's actually a good thing and your life will get better. What is wrong with people that are still watching these networks? How do you not understand that these people work for the government? How do you not actually objectively look at your life and say, my life is getting worse. I am poor. I am more unhappy. I, my kids are not safe. I am being forced to inject chemicals in my arm, irrespective of whether or not I want it or feel that I need it. I am being told that I must do it in order to keep my job. 
People that I didn't vote for or elect, like OSHA and the CDC, are making laws and mandates. That is not the way our Constitution works. Have you read the Constitution? Do you know what the Constitution says? Do you understand that this administration is walking over, they're ripping up the Constitution because the Constitution cannot exist in the same place that a communist country exists. There could be no God when the government is going to become God. There could be no nation under God when they want a nation under an omnipotent government. What is it going to take for you to wake up? How much more will you take before you wake up? Are you waiting for until it's too late? Are you waiting for until, like Biden proposed, they're going to have federal thugs show up and make sure you're complying at your door, complying to their mandates? Because it's an emergency. Everybody knows emergencies last for two years. It's an emergency. My house is burning down. Cool. Come here in two years because an emergency lasts for two years. That's the idea, right? Emergencies. These temporary emergency authorizations last for two years. What's it going to take for you to wake up? Because let me tell you, you don't have much more time left. You do not have much more time left. This is literally like my family is now coming up with the plan B. What's it going to take? How do we live off of the grid? How do we make sure that we have enough food to live for years? You know, where can we go? How do we leave this country? You know, if we need to protect our children, this is the kind of stuff that we're starting to think because I don't know if some of you guys who are so brainwashed by state propaganda are ever going to wake up. You genuinely believe that people like me and Donald Trump are your enemy. And you know for a fact that your life was better under President Trump. You know for a fact. You know for a fact and you won't admit it. Because you've become an ideologue. Because the state has brainwashed you into turning into one of its soldiers. Even if you can't afford to fill up your tank. You've been so brainwashed that you're still going to defend the very same state that makes it so that you can't. That's all I've got for you. I just, I just needed to rant about that. And I hope you guys will pay attention and watch the interview with the North Korean defector that almost moved me to tears today, filming on my show. It'll premiere tomorrow night on the Daily Wire, obviously. Dailywire.com slash subscribe, and you can use my code RESIST. Candace Owen. And I got to be honest with you. I can't add anything to what she said. Um, We bring you things like that, the opinions of people like that. African-American young woman, pretty much self-made, grew up in a typical average below middle income African-American family. She's worked hard and made a, a place for herself in her life. And in doing it, she objectively discovered all of the things and the people that are positive, that are promoting the good things in the United States. And of course, those who support and promote others. I don't bring people like that to this show to scare anybody. But I bring people like that to this show to make you open your eyes and at least consider the things that they are saying and process them. What you do with what you hear here is totally between you and your family and your God. There is no such thing as your God. God is God, period. But anyway, use your own brain, open your own eyes, look around, make decisions based on facts. We're not even close to finish, folks. Back right after this at TNN Live. 
on every continent, in every capital, in homes like yours. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 double crispy cheesy burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new double crispy cheesy burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double crispy cheesy burger. The flame fresh taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Aww. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new double crispy cheesy burger with double the flame fresh taste. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Maybe we ought to just listen to some more (laughs) of that Eagles song. Oh, man, do you ever get discouraged when you listen in or read or hear things that uh, you just can't believe? I can't believe people think that way. It happens almost every day to me. You can't turn on the television news show. You can't read a newspaper. You can't walk through a grocery store and not wonder, what are people thinking? I mean, it doesn't take brilliant people to understand things aren't right. This is all kind of messed up. I uh, I wasn't going to say anything about this, but I'm, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I, I've told you this. I'm a voracious reader. I read all the time. And, I'll, I, and I like to read the Bible in spurts. When I get inspired, I'll, I'll just bury myself in the Bible. And we talk often about... Uh, the book of Revelation, the end times of the world, and we point to things in Revelation. Many people do. It's brought up almost daily. Point to different things that are forecast, prophesied in the book of Revelations that happen toward the end of the world, and there are parallels you can draw with what we're going through. Uh, Day before yesterday, I think it was day before, it may have been yesterday, I, I was reading through part of Revelation. I went to the last chapter kind of like go to the end of the book and get the punchline, right? Um, the last chapter, the 22nd chapter of uh, Revelation. And this just popped out at me toward the end of it. Hang on just a second. I'm going to get there. Scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Um, and this is the angel of the Lord that's speaking. 
and here's what the angel of the Lord said, and he's talking to John. John is the one who allegedly wrote the book of Revelation. The angel says to John, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, the Bible, because the time is near. But this is the verse that just blew my mind. Listen to what the angel told John the Revelator. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. And then the last verses in the Bible. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So what are you saying that means when he says, let those, let those who are doing evil be, do evil. Don't stop it. Well, I, 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 let me tell you my interpretation. I think I take it literally. Basically what the angel of the Lord is saying, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. They're going to be taken care of. The holy people need to continue doing holy things. Do good things. Continue to do them. But don't worry about the other folks. I got this. You know what? When I read that, I thought to myself, and I said it out loud actually, God, I'm glad you've got this because I sure don't. <laughs> you want to hear something else that will just boil your blood? This just leaked out a few minutes ago back to government. And I hate to go right from the Bible to the government, <laughs> but it all just kind of fits in together, right? House Speaker Pelosi, along with the leader of the Progressive Caucus, um, Premier Jayapal, they've got a plan in place, folks. They're going to rush through Joe Biden's 2,700-page reconciliation, uh, reconciliation framework bill. You know, that build back better thing. They're going to rush it through the House before the Congressional Budget Office can score it, and they plan on rushing it through the House before Thanksgiving. That's two weeks. The Congressional Budget Office, which marks how much money taxpayers got to fork over to pay for any piece of legislation, it's not scheduled to have a complete score on the reconciliation framework before these two whip a vote for the package. The two Congresswomen suggested yesterday they intend to hold a vote on the legislation on or before November 15th. But the CBO said yesterday only parts of the scoring are going to be finished before the target vote date. 
Here's what they said, CBO. Listen to what he said. This is the guy that is the head of it. Nonpartisan. This is just what they do. We anticipate releasing estimates for individuals, uh, individual titles of the bill as we complete them, some of which will be released this week, he said. Other estimates are going to take longer, particularly for provisions in some titles that interact with those and other titles. When we determine a release date for the cost estimate for the entire bill, we'll give everybody advance notice. So, a likely incomplete CBO score is not going to stop Jayapal, who is a radical. No other way to describe her. It's not going to stop her from plunging ahead in the House, pushing moderate Democrats, if there are such things, to go along with the reconciliation package without even knowing how much it's going to cost. To clarify for everybody, the agreement we made with our colleagues was not for CBO score, she said. That's apparently from the deal they cut with moderates in their party. It was for some additional financial information from the CBO. Agreement also says that in no event would the vote take place later than the week of November 15th. We trust our colleagues' commitment, she said. And Pelosi, she had to weigh in, of course. She echoed her consent. That is our plan, to pass the bill the week of November 15th, as is indicated in our statement that were made at the time of passing the infrastructure bill. Now, those two, Pelosi and, Glass, uh, Pelosi and Jayapal, they're over at the COP26 place thing. They're in Glasgow, Scotland. The Democrat House leaders are aiming to force the less radical side of their caucus to take a vote on a package that would likely increase the national debt and cost American taxpayers at least two and a half trillion bucks. And we don't even know that for sure. I promise you this, when the CBO comes out with their number, and they will even if they are rushed and they don't get it out before this vote happens, it's going to be close to $5 trillion. So in order for Pelosi to get this thing passed out of the House, she's got to have 218 votes spread across her caucus, the Democrats in the House of Representatives. It's probable that those Democrats will not have any help from 13 Republicans who jumped ship last week and voted for the quote-unquote, bipartisan infrastructure bill late Friday night. Whether Nancy can whip the votes to pass this remains unseen, but not out of the question. And you're probably, when I said that, what are you talking about, Dan? Nobody in their right mind can spend $5 trillion. There's no way. We don't have $5 trillion. We're not going to have $5 trillion. Less radical and more vulnerable House Democrats have opposed voting for the package without a CBO score. About five of them. But with such a massive piece of spending, there is sure to be payouts to members' districts to entice a yes vote. Don't think for a second, Nancy isn't going to Democrats and saying, look, if you'll support this, here's what we're going to do for you. 
And oh, by the way, she also runs the money of the Democrat Party that is earmarked. Democrat Party raises money year-round. And a big chunk of it is earmarked to support Democrats in their campaigns with contributions. Nancy Pelosi controls all that. You give me a yes vote, you know you're going to be in a hotly contested weight a race in November next year. We're going to give you an extra 10 million bucks. If vulnerable Democrats do vote for the package without the CBO score, Republicans are going to be able to highlight their vote and believe me they will in the upcoming 2022 midterms. They're going to say the those Democrats voted partisan basis. They're negligent. They're not doing stuff for the people in the district and try to get them beat out of office. And I got to be honest with you. I got, I, I got to believe. I just have to believe that the Democrats, maybe not all of them, but Democrats in leadership in the House, they've reconciled the fact that they're going to lose control of the House of Representatives and probably the U.S. Senate in the 2022 midterms. That could be an explanation for why they're pushing so hard, so diligently, to get as much of this egregious, unbelievably terrible, can't think of another word right now, to describe this legislation they're passing. They're spending more money than the federal government is going to be able to afford six generations down from you and me. There's no way to pay it back. And when they borrow it, folks, even if they're borrowing it through printing treasury bonds and selling them to investment retirement funds and insurance companies and banks, somebody's got to pay, pay it back. It, we got to pay interest on it every quarter. Somebody's going to have to pay it back. And we, you and I, we're not ever going to have that ability to do it in our lifetimes. Our kids won't. Our grandkids won't. Their kids and grandkids and those grandkids' grandkids will never be able to pay it back. But there's even more stuff going on. We have this supply chain thing. On PBS NewsHour yesterday, the director of the National Economic Council, Brian Deese, Listen to what Brian had to say about our supply chain issues. He said many of the issues with our supply chain are actually a reflection of the fact that we are moving more goods, more products through the American economy now than at any time in history, significantly higher than before the pandemic. That's a good thing, he said. It reflects the fact that Americans are out there and able to buy goods again. D said President Biden has been working with companies to fix the supply chain issues. But I would also underscore the economic momentum and progress that we are making is real. We've seen 5.6 million jobs created, which is horse hockey. You and I both know that. These are not new jobs that Biden has been touting. More new jobs than anybody in history. More new jobs this quarter than any other quarter. I've created more jobs in my presidency than any other president ever has. It's a lie. 
They're not new jobs. They're people that are going back to work after the government locked them down for better part of a year. They're just going back to work. These are not created new jobs. Donald Trump's policies created millions of new jobs, expansions by companies that were hiring new people, creating new jobs, new positions, and they needed new people. So those are new jobs. Biden's are recycled of old jobs. They are not new jobs. There are not companies out there today that are looking at the landscape of the economy and business and saying, you know what? There's a niche right there. I think I can create an entity, a company that can fill that niche, provide goods and services, and start with an idea that I have and roll the dice and take a chance. Folks, that's entrepreneurship. That's looking at something and seeing it not as a problem, but seeing it as a challenge. And entrepreneurs are the ones that plug those holes and are willing to step up and roll the dice, literally. Put in their own money, borrow money to start and build an idea. I did that 30 years ago with a company that is a really strong company today. I was fortunate. Entrepreneurship comes with no guarantees most of the time. But those kind of folks with those kind of ideas that are looking all the time for opportunity, those people are saying, wait a minute. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to roll the dice in this environment. I'm going to hang on to everything I have because I don't know what this president, I don't know what this administration is going to do. Deese continued. Now, he's the guy. Just think about this. He's the head of the National Economic Council. He's the director. This is the guy that's supposed to have his thumb on exactly what's going on across our economy. We're going to work through these challenges, he said. We're on that every day in the short term. But we think we can focus on both the short term and the medium and longer term challenges. Part of why we're in this problem is we haven't invested in building our infrastructure so that we have more resilient ports, more resilient roads and bridges around America. We can do both of these things. So the inference is, by everybody from the top down, from Joe Biden and down, the inference is they bear no responsibility for any of the supply chain issues. It's because of the pandemic. It's because of horrible infrastructure, our trucking transportation system, our railroad systems. They just basically, sometime right around the time that I took the oath of office, they all just quit operating. Everything broke. All the highways, all the bridges broke. The ports, all of the ships sank. All of the equipment to unload all those thousands of containers that we had been using for years, they don't work anymore. It's never accountability that we hear from any Democrat in office. We haven't heard it 
through the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, they never accepted responsibility for one thing bad that happened. They, of course, were always quick to stand up and take credit for anything good that happened, much of which didn't happen because of anything they did. Some of it they accidentally fell into, some of it they inherited, and every once in a while, somebody came up with a good idea, but that was rare. Have you heard one good economic idea come up in this administration? Please, call me right now, 866-37-TRUTH, 866-378-7884. We got about 10 minutes left. I would love for you, it would make me feel so much better if somebody would give me a concrete example of something good that has happened economically in our nation since January the 20th. I don't know what it is. I'm being honest with you. I'd love to know. I really would. And then there's far left MSNBC. I'm looking here at a gas price sign, and it comes from, uh, let me see where that comes from. It doesn't say. But it lists the breakdown of the different types of gas at the pump. Regular unleaded, $5.78. Unleaded plus, $6.03. Premium unleaded, $6.28, and diesel, $5.76 a gallon. In the context of all of this, everything you hear, everything you see, far left MSNBC, they are hoping to gaslight us all into believing that Joe Biden's record inflation is a good thing. Folks, these are professional journalists, supposedly. And they're telling us and a bunch of people that listen in, well, that's a conundrum because there aren't a bunch of people listening in at MSNBC. But MSNBC has since deleted a tweet that said why the inflation we're seeing now is a good thing. It's not just MSNBC. The establishment media's desperate willingness to whore out their credibility with laugh-out-loud nonsense day after day after day, like this, is getting embarrassing to watch, but in a good way. I'm kind of enjoying every minute of the media's credibility implosion. The tweet from MSNBC was in support of of a columnist, one of their columnists, who declares the coronavirus the unlikely hero of our inflation crisis, but then goes on to risk-flick the inflation crisis. Quote, the message Americans have been getting about inflation from in recent months can be summed up in four words. Be afraid, very afraid. That's what the columnist said. It's a message that much of the media has been happy to spread, epitomized by an odd segment about rising food costs that CNN ran last week. The segment was supposed to show, in the words of a much-mocked tweet promoting it, how badly inflation is hitting the middle class. But instead of looking at a typical-sized middle-class American family, it focused on a Texas family with nine kids, one that buys 12 gallons of milk a week. In the process, the segment succumbed to one of the media's worst tendencies, taking a real issue and overhyping it beyond recognition. How about some facts? 
Fact number one, this is Dan. America is currently suffering record inflation that's primarily hitting the basics of life, like, you know, food and energy. Fact number two, this inflation was caused by the federal government overheating the economy. How'd they do that? Spending trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have. Fact number three, who suffers most under inflation? Here's a fact. It's a cruel tax on the poor, on the working class, on those who live on the margins, paycheck to paycheck. You got to buy a tank of gas to go to work, right? All of a sudden, the tank of gas, it's double what it was when Joe Biden was elected November 3rd last year. Fact number four, wages are not keeping up with inflation, so Americans are falling behind. They're getting pay raises. Yeah, great thing. Pay raises don't come close to covering the added cost incurred at the behest of Joe Biden. How can any decent, caring person look at our economy, look at the explosion in just the gas and food prices? How can they be aware that cold weather is coming and and with it families who are worried about being able to pay for heat and just laugh it off? That's what MSNBC was doing, making fun of this family. Because they they buy 12 gallons of milk a week. Go figure. They shouldn't have nine kids. This is how far the media are willing to go to protect Democrats in the extreme left agenda. And it's not just that the media are just full-blown propagandists now. They're so out of touch with the concerns of all of us everyday Americans. They're so far removed in their velvet bubbles that none of this is even real to them. This is a quote. What all this means is that American consumers are relatively speaking, flush. And it's that strong demand for goods and services that is sending prices higher. But it's taking manufacturers and food producers time to increase supply after cutting back production during the pandemic. In other words, hey, what are y'all whining about? You dumb rube. You're flush. You're filthy rich. You got all kind of money. Don't you see how flush you are? Are you too stupid to grasp how much money you have and how lucky you are? You know, I'm lucky enough to make a decent living, but I've never forgotten, nor will I ever forget the lean years. You know, when you deliberately forget to sign the rent check to buy yourself a couple extra days, or when you turn the thermostat down to 62 at night in the middle of winter, or when a car repair maxes out an already maxed out credit card, the one you can only afford to make the minimum payment on, which means you'll be treading water forever. You ever been down any of those roads? I have. And that's another problem with our wretched elitist, the silver spoon syndrome. Most of these people are fascists. They went from prep schools to college directly into the media bubble. They know nothing of struggle, of life in the real world. To them, inflation's just a number and one that can be spun to protect the ruling regime. 
hey, it's inflation. Interest rates are about to go up. And they are. They have to. What happens when interest rates go up? If you're an elitist, you got a lot of cash. So you can't wait for your bank to start paying 10, 11, 12% on those certificates of deposit. You know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have made, that you've socked away. You can sit at home on your butt if you're drawing. You got half a million in the bank. You can draw $50,000 a year just on interest on what you got deposited in the bank without even touching the $500,000. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being funny, folks. I'm being factual. Now, let me tell you this. You heard what Candace Owen had to say. It's a warning sign. You heard the words from the 22nd chapter of Revelation that I gave you, the angel of the Lord talking to John the Revelator, basically saying, don't worry about these people. I got this. I'm going to take care of this. Don't worry about it. Let those that tell the truth keep telling the truth. Let those that are doing good, let them keep doing good. Don't worry about the evildoers, the people that lie and cheat and steal and abuse you. Just let them do what they're going to do. I got this. I'm going to take care of it. And back to politics for a second. Well, after what we saw last week in Virginia, I get the sense that America is beginning to see through this garbage like this. There is no critical race theory. Inflation is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Word to the media. Um... Why don't we just get back together after the midterms and see how real all of that really is? Wow, hot day today at TNN Live. Thank you for being here. Listen, guys, you got two days and you're at the weekend. Make sure you start tomorrow, 9 o'clock here at TNN Live. Everybody all around the world got to tell you what I
Thank you.